This is Jesse Hensley. And this is Josh Turner. Welcome to Turn Down for What. Thank you for coming to our podcast. This is Turn Down for What, where you're going to be getting EV information uh, a little different than what else is out there. So we're going to be talking about EV aircraft, EV watercraft, and I guess EV autocraft, if that's such a word. Autocraft. Autocraft. You know, it'll work. Vehicles. So, vehicles. So we're going to be going through on this series and giving you information about the development and where we are with each one of these titles. So obviously that's not today for everything, but uh, we will be talking about some of the advancements in uh, motor technology or engine technology for aircraft. It'd be motors because an engine is typically you're going to talk about an engine as being a uh, petrol or gasoline engine, and motors, you're going to have electric. So, um, Introduce yourself. I'm Jesse Hensley, by the way. I am one of the hosts here, and to my right is the other, Josh Turner. Yes, we're excited to be doing this. As you can tell, he's very voiceful and has a lot of information that he provides with his yes. But um, anyway, so today, the first thing we're going to be talking about is the announcements that General Motors made um, about their connectors into your vehicle. So obviously, Josh and I both are EV owners. We have the Ford F-150 Lightning. Here a couple of weeks ago, Ford made an announcement that they'll be adding a location within their vehicles to charge with the Tesla system. And N-A-C- Josh knows more about that than I do. So what N- is this? The NACS charging, which was the North American charging standard. Um, this was produced with, the, uh, with Tesla. And Elon opened up that um, software and that that technology um, a couple of years back, and so now it's something that you know he encouraged the competition to um, consider it. But that's something that now we're we're seeing for the first time, I believe, um, a new wave of potential opportunity when it comes to that that charging type and hopefully we'll have elon on the show sometime very soon i'm sure we'll be getting a call for that at any time so um but anyway so what's happened there is you have one company that has created the ev industry so you nobody talked about electric vehicles until tesla came around and showed that it is possible to do it not only possible but you could also make something that was quick make something that was attractive and something that would appeal to everybody. And once they did that, their big concern was, where are you going to charge these? So they went through with their money and started building large charging stations and then smartly said, hmm, let's go to Bucky's, where if you have 15 or 20 minutes, you can shop for every piece of beef jerky known to man. And, um, you know, walking into Bucky's, I've only been there a few times. It's fantastic. We have one that's getting ready to open where we are in East Tennessee um, in the Gatlinburg area. And, you know, I, I do see that as a opportunity for EVs to really kind of shine because you see 1,500 different gas station pumps along these huge, huge areas. And you have something for people to do when they walk in. So it looks like that's tailor-made for the industry to where if you have a 15 or 20 minute downtime that you can go in there and watch. Now, our trucks do not take 15 or 20 minutes to charge from empty to full. That's one thing we'll get into here in a little bit. But uh, to, to circle back with the charging system, what Elon did was develop their system of well over, what, 14,000 um, level three charging uh, systems. And now you have what's called the CCS, which is the 
system used by General Motors. It's used by, I think, every other car company that's out there. I mean, basically, when other car uh, companies came into the picture, they utilized the systems that came out of Europe um, and other, <laughs> other locations. But you know, the CCS is a more of a global standard for the vehicles. And Elon had produced the NACS model, but the CCS was introduced and all of the other vehicles, uh, Ford, GM, uh, Chevy, all of the other vehicles with their EVs that came out were all this CCS um, model. And so that became the charging standard. All of the industries that were producing charging infrastructure ChargePoint, Electrify America, and otherwise, all of them produced stations that are exclusively NACS and uh, whatever the other one is. Uh, so the question about. comes up now, is CCS dead? Now, we have been in the background working on other developments for EV charging ourselves. We have a company called Power Up America, and it is going to be focusing on EV charging through the Eastern Tennessee division, as well as other areas that go into watercraft and aircraft and things of that nature. So we have been talking to our suppliers that, uh, uh, offer us the charging station itself. We even asked, what well, was a couple of weeks ago? Hey, is there going to be an option? This was after Ford made their announcement that this they were moving over. After Ford made the announcement, but before G, uh, GM made their announcement. And the, uh, yep. in that interim, <laughs> the, the general consensus was, we're not worried about it. Yeah. It's not going to be a thing. And we're not going to be adding two to our station. And, and here's, the, here's the kicker. So it sounds to me, and this is not anything because I have no exact knowledge of it but it sounds to me as if it's not as simple as unplugging the system that's for ccs and then plugging in the head like an adapter now i think an adapter is probably what everybody's going to be rolling with but eventually i think one will win out over the other and if you have already thirteen thousand of the ones that tesla use that they have made in their tesla stations and a very robust uh, system of delivering that power and a very low percentage of downtime already. They have perfected that system. And now you have other companies saying, hmm, we want to do that because we don't believe in the reliability of the systems that's out there already. I do feel like that could impact, especially now with General Motors. You have Ford and General Motors, the only two remaining with Tesla, large American-made car companies. I believe, you know, maybe Jeep will come in, but since that's fiat, we don't know if the Italian base will allow that or they want to stay with the European model. So that's still something that's not been announced. Uh, but with the majority of American car makers saying, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. What's going to happen? I think that we saw a, a pivotal shift when GM made their announcement within 48 hours all of these hardware providers mm -hmm. began announcing <laughs> that they're uh, dual expanding to CCS and NACS. And I think that that's something that it speaks to the fact that there could be uh, a wave of change coming to where at least for a while we're going to see both on the market. But it did seem like Ford and Chevy are, or Ford and GM in that instance, are basically making a statement against the current CCS charging infrastructure because it's not as... Um, it's not as expansive as Tesla's network. It's not as reliable as Tesla's network. There's not as much um, amenities provided as Tesla's network. And so Ford, being the first one, 
saw a unique opportunity to basically say, hey, for our drivers, we're providing a new standard, which includes this NACS, and it will force the adaptation from all of the current CCS providers, like Electrify America and ChargePoint and otherwise, but also we will see an uh, improvement in the total network because if vehicles like Ford and GM have NACS, then not only can they use all of the Electrify America, ChargePoint, EVgo and otherwise, but now I can stop at Bucky's. Yeah, now you can stop at Bucky's, Tesla. You could go to local uh, mall shopping centers, wherever there's that Tesla infrastructure, which, like we said, is in the thousands. Um, it provides a lot more opportunities for drivers to have a reliable experience, and Tesla has a lot more of a reputation of uptime consistency with uh, infrastructure, and so that's something that will provide a more seamless experience for drivers as the the transition to EVs you know expands so his conclusion is yeah it's going to change everything I think so I, uh, I think so <laughs> so Ford did announce when they made their announcements that they're going to have the CCS which I'm sure they are contractually obligated or or something to support that system um, but uh, and again, I have no clue on what the agreements are, but they are also going to add the other system to it. So it's not that you have to have the adapter, which currently uh, us owning the F-150 Lightning the way it is, we will be getting an adapter, I guess, next year. And that adapter will allow us to then charge at Tesla stations or buggies and will definitely open up the network for us. But they will also have that other port somewhere located on the vehicle to where they can charge for both of them. And so. just for clarity, the Tesla supercharger network in the United States is 16,822. Make sure you quote where you've got that information from. Uh, electric ah. website. But also it says that uh, from the Tesla website directly that there's over 45,000 superchargers globally. So okay. that's, a, that's a huge expansion of the network on a global scale for the car manufacturers well so there you have it is ccs dead uh conclusion is not there yet we still have major automakers that's going to be using it and supporting it but it to me it appears that people have drawn a line of the sand went to uh the network that's already available and i don't see us having two standards because if we kicked out the metric system, we're definitely not going to have two standards for this. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, it, we're going to find we're going to find an adaptation one way or the other. Yeah, and I think the next two years will be pivotal to see if car manufacturers for all American-made vehicles and vehicles that are imported into the United States meet that metric. Um, that might become a new standard. Uh, what's interesting is the federal grants that are. Uh, being tossed around, you know, all require the CCS standard. My curiosity is, you know, will we see a change in the expectation for standards, or is that something that this massive CCS network is going to be released, and then that then pulls back on the NACS movement? My my hopes is that we would see a change in the in the policy to where we'll see NACS and CCS required side by side. To provide a well-rounded uh, experience more to money just throw more money at it let's do but both tesla has the most vehicles on the road currently so opening up all these new charging infrastructure not only to ford chevy and all the current ccs drivers like ourselves but also opening up that for tesla drivers not only expands now the benefit uh, to again i don't know much about tesla now you could use an adapter 
to get to a CCS quick charger now, correct? Yes, okay, but so having, having that as a readily available standard eliminates the need and opens adapter. it up because if you don't have your adapter, you can't charge. It's one of those things that if we provide NACS and CCS on all these stations, it gives us the opportunity to appeal to drivers nationwide, to, whether that's Tesla or otherwise. And that way, based on convenience, similar to gas stations, there can be charging infrastructure a lot more frequently than we're currently seeing, which is every 50 to 100 to 200 miles apart. Um, in my endeavors. And in my uh, truck, if I'm going 200 miles between stations, I'm not going that direction. So, <laughs> But the reality is, is I mean, on, on the road trips that I've taken in my truck, um, I enjoy the EV experience, but the charging infrastructure has to improve. Yeah, let's and, get into that one after this. So from a CCS, is it dead? We think that it's on its way out. But that is information. You make your conclusion, and we'll do something right now that we really can't do no more, and that's shift gears into another conversation. And that's our experience with the F-150 Lightning. Now, for reference, we both had our trucks within the first 30 days, I believe, of the trucks being available. Uh, my truck was delivered two days after your truck. Um, when you look at some of the positives and negatives, uh, we have them both with our vehicles as well, more so mine than his, just because of the way I drive. Uh, but we've had some people that have got trucks who are social media personalities and not had a very good experience. Uh, one that comes to mind is Hoovy uh, of Hoovy's Garage. Um, love his show, and he had a standard version trying to pull vehicles and everything, and it just did not work out for him in his application. Uh, now, I can say with mine for several months in my position as a, in the data industry. I was driving over a mountain four and a half hours a day back and forth and I was extremely pleased with the power and the ability that that truck had and, and the cost savings. I went from $77 a day down to $7 a day in cost. So I really like the way the truck has performed for me personally. Do I think that it needs more range? Yes. That's probably my biggest peeve, I guess, for the truck is it needs to have a little bit more range. I think Ford has addressed that by saying they're going to make less components and a lighter version of the truck. Obviously, us being Tennessee people, we are fortunate that Ford has selected the state of Tennessee for the manufacturing and the development of the F-150 Lightning coming in 2024, and that is on what the western part of Tennessee near Memphis. So, are they developing the Lightning there, or is that just the T3 I think there. the T3 is going to be there. So but it's everything. The it will well. be the lightning. Yeah. Um, I, you won't have, again, I don't know if what we have would be available then, but I would assume that whatever they're developing today would become the yeah. new F-150 lightning uh, to replace that in its uh, uh, arsenal of vehicles. So uh, once we have that out, I guess you can compare. You have multiple vehicles that uh, are out there. But for me personally, um, other than the range being a little low, um, and I get about 270, 280 miles per full charge. Um, I do now on, charge. On the highway? Oh, well, everywhere. Because I drive that's you're a, a maniac, little bit. Yeah. For anybody listening to this, I do not ever break laws when speeding or anything like that. So it's no, no, no. We, we, we keep it straight that way. But um, It's not about, <laughs> and I tell this to everybody that hops in my truck, it's not about speeding. It's about getting to the speed limit quickly. Yeah, that w we'll say that that's what I—that's the case, and I have not had but just one ticket for this so far. So I've not had one. 
I mean, our wives, our wives bet against us that we would have uh, a life one. Yeah, <laughs> I still have not gotten a speeding ticket. So, so for me, like it. It's a truck. Um, I use it as a truck. The frunk is something I never would have thought I would have used as much. I keep everything in there. So uh, during the summertime, when you have kids going sports, I have our chairs in the front of it. Keep them there. Uh, when you have kids get back with smelly items from whatever practice they had to have, uh, they throw all that stuff in the front of it. You close it. It's done. When you go get groceries, I put everything in the front of it. Did not think I would use it like I do, but that is probably the most used item that I have on the truck. And everything else is the same as an F-150. Uh, zero to 60, you can look it up. It's quick. I think it's right around four seconds. Um, so every, I have not had a negative that way. There's a couple ticks here and there that uh, we've had the dealership look at when it comes to some doors, some air air doors that open and shut. What is the name of that one? The Air Dam Fault. The Dam Air Fault. Oh, Air Dam Fault. Sorry. <laughs> so that one actually is something that kind of pops up here and there, but I think that's on all trucks. I think you have... That's a uh, universal uh, thing. Uh, but from expecting to have such a low number of truck, I think we're both in the 3,000s uh, of trucks that's been made uh, to this point. I absolutely love the fact Today, I still like the truck as much as I did when I got it. So. Yeah, and I mean, my experience before, I was driving a 2018 F-150, and, you know, I was hesitant to jump into the EV realm, just like everybody else, with all of the concerns with range, with um, just the practicality of having, a, you know, a electric truck, no gas stations. What does that mean? Um, that me, means you run out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> me being in real estate as a as a primary job, I've, you know, have always done a ton of around town driving. And so for me with my F one fifty, I was I was driving around and I was spending seven hundred dollars a month on gas when gas was at its highest peak about two years ago. And I was really feeling the pain at the pump, but I drove so much in real estate that, you know, I was really like, well, I'm gonna pay off this truck. I'm going to get a fuel efficient hybrid or an electric car and keep my truck because I really, I'm 6'6". I'm a big guy. So I, I need a big vehicle. I mean, I, my first vehicle I bought on a tangent was a Ford Focus, a little tiny car. My, my seat had to be a clown car. I, I, I love to see you fold I, up and get I, into I, that I was, thing. I was ducked underneath the, uh, underneath the trying to view out the windshield. <laughs> and I, you know, it was my first, it was my first vehicle I bought for myself. Um, but you know, even across the board with the other vehicles I'd owned all cars, none of them fit me. I was always ducking. There's no vehicle other than an SUV and a truck that fits somebody that's my size. And so with that being the case, I really, the first time I got into my F-150 that I bought in uh, 18, um, it really made a huge difference because of my size. It was like, wow, this fits me. So my big hesitation, you know, was I didn't want to buy a car um, and have to deal with the size, but I didn't also want to pay $700 a month in gas. And then they announced the Ford F-150 Lightning being the first electric truck actually to come yeah. to the market since the Cybertruck has been announced for 10 years or whatever it's been Be quiet. I'm going to get my cyber truck at some so. point, but you know, being that long, you know, it was one of those things that for me, I was like, you know, this is the perfect blend between the two. I had always for years, wanted the, the Raptor that was like my dream truck. Um, but I would never jumped on it because gas mileage is worse than the vehicle I had. <laughs> so I would have been spending a thousand dollars a month on gas just to have a cool looking truck. But the day that they rolled that F one fifty lightning out on the stage with the announcement, 
my uh, me and you both clicked about the I, same I, time. I was clicking that reserve minutes, before they finished the announcement on May 19th of two years ago. Um, I was clicking that button and had that reservation in, but getting my truck, it was something that, you know, I switched and it was a lot less stressful for me in my life than I thought it would be because being an around town real estate agent, all I do is drive around town, you know, the recommended vehicle fill, um, when you're dealing day to day driving is 90%. For my truck, it might be different for other models, but for my truck, it's 90%. So I'm at 90% when I start the day. I'll go do yep. 100 miles of driving for real estate in the day, driving around to different areas, get back to my house at 65%, plug it into the wall, and by the next morning, full tank. And I'm just using the cheap energy that's coming from my house. Never needed a DC fast charger was basically really just enjoying the perks of being around town convenience. Um, the first time that I had to really deal with the charging network was when I went uh, down to Florida with my wife. I took her uh, to Orlando uh, for a week, and I just like, I want to test out this uh, vehicle <laughs> on a long road trip. Because around town, my truck, you know, the range is advertised as 320 uh, for the extended range battery on the Lightning Lariat that me and him both have. And, you know, around town, I was probably seeing 350 to uh, 375 miles, which is what's anticipated. But on the highway, the question was, what does that look like? And so, you know, I, I then took the vehicle on a road trip down to Florida um, and realized the charging gaps. One, uh, it's a lot of planning goes into a road trip with an electric vehicle that's not a Tesla because the charging infrastructure is every 100 to 150 miles apart. And so, you know, we had to make two full stops on the way down and two full stops on the way back up. And so planning out where you're going and, you know, if, if the charging station's in a Walmart parking lot, is there a restaurant that you can walk to <laughs> to eat lunch or are you going to have to be running in the rain or eating in the car? Is like, it going to be open? Is it going to yeah. get there to where you can use the bathroom or whatever? It's, it's actually we pulled, a, a pretty good headache. And we pulled up to a station and it was full. I had to wait because I didn't have enough range to get to the next one. So, I mean, like it was a, it was an eye-opening experience for, okay, the EVs on the road. You need a few things, three things. One, more, more stations on the road, which was what kind of got us down the conversation of where we're at with Power Up America. But two... You know, we need range improvement. You know, on the highway 270, you know, a car can go 400, 450. Most vehicles can. Maybe around 350, 400. But most of them are you seeing in the low to mid fours on a road trip on the gas mileage. Now, so, one thing I do want to point out there, the difference between his truck and my truck is he had a, he had the tonneau cover from Ford put on the back of it, the hard cover. Now, for me, I always watched, you know, I watched Mythbusters back when it was coming out. And there was a uh, uh, an episode where they were talking about the air pressure in the back of a pickup truck would lift and have a little bubble that the air would go over so the air would not be captured in the back of the truck. Now, one thing I have noticed is even when we get on the interstate, you do get a little bit more mileage than I do in the power that you have. And especially around town, you get a lot more. So it's, I think that that is definitely a, a difference is if you are looking at these trucks, definitely consider that, again, I don't know if it makes a difference, but between his truck and my truck, they're the same trucks. He has a lot more weight, obviously, every day that goes into it, but yet he gets better mileage than I do. So it's not fair, and I probably should have got the tonneau cover. It's because I'm not a lead foot. 
I've I taken road trips with you, and it's absolutely terrifying. I have no clue what he's talking about. So, <laughs> so anyway, that's that, that's that's that, the only difference between our trucks. Yeah. But yeah, everything else uh, is about the same. So yeah, I mean the the charging station quantity needs to improve. It needs to not be every hundred and fifty miles. You know, you need to see them. Gas stations are at every exit. You know, you're seeing them every mile to two miles apart. And so there there is no anxiety when it comes to a gas powered vehicle. But if you're in a gas powered vehicle and the gas stations are every two hundred miles apart. It changes perspective. It really how, changed perspective. Drive, we had all these stopping. power issues about two years ago, and we couldn't get fuel in this area. So there were a lot of gas stations. So even at that, at least if you had solar panels on your house and maybe a battery at your house, you can at least have solar or at least have power at your truck. Yeah, or it could be vehicle. more reliable than the gas stations. Well, it might be re- more reliable than gas stations. But, I mean, it's, it's, uh, now I'm not going to say that because, but around this area, we did have that outage and it was the first time I can remember ever having a issue that made it to where you really couldn't travel that much. And we, and I was going back and forth in North Carolina, uh, for my position at a data center there. So it was something that I even had issues that way to get to work. And, you know, that was the first time that we've had that happen. And, you know, could you put solar on your house? Yeah. Could you put battery on your house? Yeah. Is it affordable? Probably not. You know, that's, it, it doesn't, the math doesn't work out yet. Potentially it could. We'll be getting into that later when we start going over our solar and our batteries for houses. We'll kind of compare some of the numbers, compare what it really would cost to do that to a house that you could support your house and charge your vehicles and what headaches you have with it. So for the city that I live in, there are ordinances that won't let you uh, uh, produce more than 20 kvw at your house hmm. and it's like really yeah uh well it might not be 20 kvw probably 200 kvw you have to look into it yeah but it's not we'll even talk, enough we'll to fill up your vehicle. you know we'll have the ordinances and everything at least for that and, and you know some of the cost you know you're looking 20,000 25,000 well you could spend 15 years at whatever your rate is now and still not have that difference up so we'll get into those when we get into our episodes of the um of the of, of infrastructure for your house. So, I mean, to finish the points that I was making. No, don't. Charging station quantity needs to improve. The range on the vehicles needs to improve. You know, 270 on the highway is not enough. And you're seeing a lot of the new vehicles that are hitting the roads. You know, Ram has their truck that they're announcing is going to hit 500. Now, that I was think, that one. I think the lower one was three. But that gets up to 500. Hopefully. And you know, we've and, not seen that yet. And that's and, not been officially, you know. that, that's their estimate. Chevy's supposed to be up in the 400s, and you're seeing some of these newer models like Lucid and otherwise. They're they're coming out with models that have longer range. I can see. Well, they have 550, I think, for the Lucid. Not, Which I mean, you know, that means on the interstate you might get 400, 425. But that's really good. But that's that's significantly better, um, and that makes it a lot more usable. And if I'm not mistaken, the Lucid would charge 200 mile range in about 10 minutes with a quick charger at 350. And that, so. that's my fourth point: is the speed of charging. Yeah. Our trucks being the first trucks with that large of a battery actually to hit the market, you know, Ford, I think, decided to take a cautious approach when it came to the battery protection plan. And so they only allow the fastest that my battery has ever charged is 170 kilowatts at 170 kilowatt rate per hour. Um, And with 131 or two kilowatt battery, you know, it does, if you're going from, you know, 5% to 80%, that does take 30 minutes, 35 minutes, 40 minutes in some instances, depending on the speed. And the stations aren't always producing the, the, the rate that you need. But my vehicle will never go above 170. 
a lot of these charging stations brag that they can go up to 350 kW and it's the vehicle that's only taking 170. And so one of the improvements that can be made to really improve the accessibility to drivers on road trips is speed of charging. Because if I can go to a station like he's saying, you know, and get 200 miles in 15 minutes, well, that's a lot more practical than me having to wait half an hour to get 270 range, 40 minutes to get 270 range. Obviously, if you're stopping for lunch, it's not a big deal. But if you're not, me and my wife, we sat down and watched an episode of The Office, and we were just sitting there waiting while the vehicle charged. And so on a road trip, it makes sense to provide that convenience of hyperspeed charging, but that's a technology we're already seeing improve. Hyperspeed charging. I've yep. never heard that before. Yep. But, but with, How about ludicrous speed charging? Is that something too? Is that, that, or is that faster than that's that? That's Lucid Air's upcoming uh, charging model. I would think that's more Tesla's, you yeah. know, because he has a Lucid anyway. Yeah. So. But anyway, so with the speed, like Lucid, for instance, is taking upper 200s, lower 300s delivered to the vehicle. And so you'll see a, a, a much, that has a longer range. It has a quicker charge. And so that's something that like, you know, with those type of vehicles, that's going to be the new standard. And I think that's what's going to really those four topics would really improve user confidence in the EV space. I think so too. I think so too. So uh, uh, long story short, things get better with time. Who would have thought that? So that's, that's a good thing to have happen. And technology is improving. And I mean, the federal grants are coming out this year that, you know, in one year's time, whether it's in ACS or CCS to tie back to the original point, yep. we are going to see charging infrastructure improve within the next two years we will yes. see charging stations every 50 miles, which for me as an EV consumer with my truck, even if I didn't get one that charges faster than all the other variables, that instantly improves road trip confidence because it provides access where one, I can use Tesla stations uh, with my truck, with the adapter that Ford's you know going to be providing. And we're going to get into that too on another episode where we're going to break down what the grants are that are out there and what they were designed to do. Uh, how many stations roughly that they're expecting and then what roughly the time period is that some of these grants are starting to come out. So then everybody that has an EV can say, okay, am I going to wait until this happens? Because then it's going to be even more difficult to get a vehicle. Try to order you an F-150 Lightning right now and see how long you got to wait. They, I know? heard that they are getting closer with, I mean, they're supposed to be ramping up. I think they said they're going to try to make 200,000 this year. Oh, wow. That's So, that's I mean, big, I, I think that within a year, we're going to probably see very likely the opportunity for those type of vehicles to come back into order. And then you're going to have Chevy's, which is their yeah. pickup has not been released yet to have the Hummer and the Hummer H the, the, the traditional Hummer with is the SUV version. You have Rivian. So once we get into what else, uh, and again, that's going to be another episode we're going to get into is what else is out there. And what do we know? We have a, a friend who has owned a Rivian for a while now, and uh, we may have him on. He does a lot of work in the, uh, out of his truck as well. Um, so it'll give you an experience of what he's had on the positives and negatives of that vehicle. We'll break down each manufacturer and what the kind of the general reviews are for those. Yeah, vehicles. we probably need to do that as have a specialized today was Ford. Today was Ford day. We talked about our Fords. We'll do more about Ford because you know, we like Ford. We like Ford. I'm a Ford guy. So, um, also in my past, I used to race and I had a Ford with a race. So, um, I've always been partial to Ford. Um, but again, we're, we're open for all manufacturers, and as long as the development's happening in a positive way, we're excited about where the direction of that is going. There's several vehicles that are coming out that excites me. Yep, so we're getting close on time for this episode. Um, if you have any questions or concerns or want to comment, you can probably, we don't have this email set up, but I was thinking we probably need to do that, is just hit info 
at power-upamerica.com. And uh, we'll look over what questions and concerns, and at the end of the show, if there's anything that pops up that we would like to help you out with or answer that we can, we'll go ahead and do that at that point. Um, you can also visit our website, power-upamerica.com, if you want to see what our stations are looking like and where we are with that process. Um, we really can't get into too many details on where we're going with the state, but uh, we'll do that in another episode as well. Is there anything else you would like to discuss today? I think that's pretty good. Well, that's pretty good. So, perfect. This has been an episode of Turn Down For What. Thank you for coming. <laughs>